0: We're sequence time. Six, five, four, three,
1: two, one, zero. All engines running. Commit liftoff. There you get it. Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Life Ministries. I'm glad you can join us on this Thursday. May 26th, hard to believe it's a steamy 90 degrees here in Jacksonville. Uh, big shout-out to all our listeners up in Virginia, uh, in the Chesapeake and Virginia Beach area, and Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, and up in Folkestone, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today, and all our people that listen through our app and through the um, the SWAT uh, radio website. Appreciate you listening, and all the emails you send Uh, especially with everything going on. We still are uh, struggling with what happened out in Uvalde um, uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, it's just really, really a sad time, and our country uh, needs prayer. Our country needs repentance, and we need people uh, who serve the public in office, uh, like my friend Steve Toth, who is a state representative out in Texas in District 15, and uh, Steve uh, and I met in the Woodlands. Uh, It was a long time ago. He's an ordained minister, uh, was uh, at uh, Woods Edge Community Church. He was a teaching elder where I met him there, and he's also chairman of the board of an organization called Mighty Oaks, which ministers to veterans with PTSD, which that's very – uh, important to me because I'm a Marine and uh, know a lot of Marines that have struggled with that. And I'm just real excited to have uh, my friend and uh, Texas representative uh, Steve Toth on the line, Steve, welcome to SWAT radio.
2: Great to be with you, Doug. How've you been brother?
1: A long, I've been great. It's a long time. You know, it's amazing how, you know, I, we were connected and then our, our paths kind of went apart when we moved back to Florida and I remember talking to you, and you were really trying to decide about politics and whether you jump in or not. I know you just wanted to make a difference. And from the people I've talked to, you are making a difference. And, uh, boy, you sure made a difference in Chad Robichaux's life. And I'm I'm excited to talk to you about that. But first, I want to talk to you about Steve, you know, you, Steve, and how you uh, – How did you come to faith? Like, how did that happen for you? Did you grow up in a Christian home, or did you grow up in a home where it wasn't there and God just grabbed you out of the world? Tell us about Steve's journey of faith real quick. You didn't
2: tell me that I was going to talk about this, so I don't have any really cool stories for you. I can't (laughs) tell you about the addict or anything like that, but um, I actually was brought up in a house of faith where my mom and dad loved the Lord. I was the youngest of six, but I was the last one to come to faith. And um, man, Doug, I still remember this day like it was yesterday. It was uh, it was June 1976. I was on a beach in Upper Saranac Lake in the Adirondacks at a young life camp, and our small group leader <clears throat> he um, picked me first, and he said, "Steve, if you die tomorrow, what would happen to you?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'd go to heaven." And he said, "Why?" And I said, well, I'm basically a good kid, and um, I'm, I do good things. And so the the guy opens his Bible up to Romans 3.23, and he said, Steve, will you read that for me? I said, sure. It says, all is sin falls short of the glory of God. And then he turns a couple pages over, and he says, read Romans 6.23. I said, sure. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life our lord and savior jesus christ and he said steve if you died right now would you go to heaven and i can remember just fighting back the tears the holy spirit was just so pressing in on me (laughs) Mm. you know to relinquish my pride and uh to admit that i was a sinner in need of a holy god to forgive me and and bring me into a relationship with him but i fought it for another year doug
1: (laughs) Stupidly, you stiff arm God. Uh, you were stiff arming him.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you know he's gracious and kind, and in spite of all our flaws and stupidity and pride, he just continues to wait and hold out hold out his hand for us to just ask for him to come and and uh, redeem us, save mm. us, heal us, forgive mm. us.
1: Well, I I know uh, that when you and I used to meet in the woodlands, we we would meet for breakfast and we would talk about just making a difference in the world in which we live. And, you know, I haven't really talked to you in the last couple of years. Uh, Actually, as we've gone through the whole COVID uh, debacle and all the vaccine mandates and all this stuff and and the way our our world has deteriorated, uh, Steve, just... Tell me your perspective. You're serving in the, this Texas uh, House of Representatives out there and doing so right. as a believer, as somebody who cares deeply and primarily about the love of Christ, but you also see the deterioration of our culture. Does Romans 1 come to mind when you look at our world?
2: It really does, and the sad thing about Romans 1 is that, you know, Paul— I think the key thing about Romans one, and one of the things that I love the most about, it, is that Paul mentions, you know, in in the the bottom of the chapter, um, all these egregious, terrible sins, and then he says, "And such were some of you." Past tense, right? Mm-hmm. That that um, even though we're called to have a prophetic voice in this world to call sin sin, and if if we do that then we're going to be at enmity with the world, they're going to hate us, they're not going to understand us, Hmm. but we're still called to love them, um, understanding that such were some of us, right? Mm -hmm. That God still called us into a relationship, but in the midst of that, we're supposed to have a prophetic voice that says very clearly, sin is sin. Hmm. And unfortunately, the pulpit in the United States has forgotten that anything that's deemed to be political, you know, they're silent. Mm. Paul wasn't silent about any of that. I mean, look at everything he mentions there at the end of Romans one, all those egregious sins that, that um, are are just, you you see in massive numbers today and and, at a pandemic rate, but the pulpit is silent. We Mm. don't want to do anything to offend lost people. Mm. Um, but we're not too worried about offending God by our silence.
1: Mm. No, no. In fact, uh, silence is often consent a lot of times or endorsement. And, um, and I, I appreciate so much, Steve, the fact that you've gotten into um, that arena out there. Uh, has that been a tough journey for you serving in that capacity as a believer?
2: Yeah, it it is hard because you take you really take a lot of shots. Um, um, the the you know you the worst shots that you take are from from Christians that that are willing to to pick up the narrative of the world, in the mainstream media, mm-hmm. and speak against you. Mm. But you know something Francis, Francis Chan once said. He said um, something's wrong when our lives make to unbelievers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, in what we're called to, God said that if we're walking with Him, that um, we would be misunderstood. In fact, people would hate us, and they'd be angry at us. And while that's absolutely not our goal, to be hated, um, it, it's it's amazing when people that profess Christ mm-hmm. um, hate you or don't want to have fellowship with you, simply because your walk is according to what God's word calls you to be about.
1: Mm. Well, I, I know that um one of the things you you made a statement that um Florida is outshining Texas in regards to how we dealt with the, the vaccine mandates and everything and you said that's unacceptable. You know, Governor DeSantis has done a great job here in dealing with that and um you know, I appreciate the fact that you stood up for that. It was not a popular thing. I, I we've gotten a lot of blowback even here for that because, um, you know, we just said, "Listen, we Steve." I I, I remember that uh, in the you know the early Bible days, like a Roman during the Roman Empire days after Jesus, the early church, the Christians were the only ones who were bearing. Even the pagans, the pagans wouldn't bury the pagans because they were afraid of getting the disease. And could you talk? Could you talk a little bit about the fear that you saw grip our country and as believers? It it was really mind-boggling to me how fearful we became in a matter of really months in this country.
2: Well, I mean, look, I'm not. You know, I saw people on Facebook and social media that were saying covid isn't real and have you have you really how many people have really lost someone to covid did anyone really die from covid no one died from covid right mm-hmm. and that wasn't true i i lost several close friends to covid mm-hmm. but the problem is that the government ginned up so much traditional fear because it was the only way that they could get compliance mm-hmm. and <clears throat> Now they're wondering, gee, why can't we get people to go back to work? Hmm. Work, you know, a year ago people should have been getting back to work. We hmm. couldn't get back, people back to work. Why? Well, this is dismounting the COVID dragon, the tiger that you've created, that the government has created. Hmm. And you know, my my greatest fear is that, you know, what what if we get, what if what if we get a pandemic like the Spanish flu at the end of World War One? Grandfather fought World War One with my uncle um, Stanton Gear, and you know the stories they tell weren't of World War One; it was of the Spanish Flu, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know at a time we were only thirty million people, but it took a half million lives. And you know if that. If, if the Spanish flu were today, we, we would have lost five million we would have lost worth of five million people in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and my concern is that if something like the Spanish flu comes along again, my fear is that no one's going to trust us.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So many people feel so completely betrayed by their government because we, um, we exploited we exploited their sense of trust in government. Mm-hmm. And that is just that's an evil thing.
1: Well, you know, as you as you continue to do your work as a uh, state representative out there, you've also continued to represent Christ, and God brought you and and Chad Robichaud together. Chad um, is a guy who. Uh, served his country he served his community he was a law enforcement guy he was a marine recon guy uh, made multiple trips to afghanistan Uh, but his life was falling apart uh he he was he was a a professional operator in the sense of top line operator to the tip of the spear kind of a guy but his family was really struggling he was struggling on a personal level and God brought you two together, and you didn't just soft pedal the gospel with him. He said you were pretty firm. Tell us about that initial interaction and what what moved you to be firm with him about that. Because you just kind of told him that ain't going to get you nowhere. Talking about his plan, <laughs> his plan yeah. for, for life. You remember that? Can you take us back to that moment?
2: Yeah, um, you know I. I I think it was, uh, I'm sorry, the Christmas before I met Dad, and um, it was maybe five days before Christmas, and um, uh, it was a Sunday. My phone goes off, and it's a dear friend from New York, Michelle, and she goes, Steve, have you heard, have you heard? And I I was like, what? I've just fallen asleep. (laughs) i just fallen asleep on the couch. Um, for a Sunday night, and I said, "What?" He goes, "Kevin's dead." I said, "What?" This guy is my best friend. I'm godfather to one of their kids. He had committed suicide the night
0: before, hmm. and my um, new
2: Kevin struggled with chemical dependency um, uh, eight years prior, and where he had accepted Christ, and then I moved away a couple of years later. And um, I, I I, was not, I, I wasn't faithful. I knew that he was struggling to jump on a, I, I, you know, you know,
1: she gets a lot of
2: blah, but, um, Hey Steve,
1: Hey, hey I, Steve, We we can't hear you. It's kind of going in and out. Oh, We're getting about every third word. Um, how's that? That's better. Is that, yeah, that's is better. That any better. Yeah, that's okay. better. So I, just you, feel
2: like I, I just feel like I. just feel like I. I feel like I failed him because I didn't speak. I didn't speak the way men should speak to one another. So when I met Chad, I. I was just. I, I was just really intent that I was not going to waste this, and. Um, I. I wanted to be. Wanted to make sure before the Lord that I spoke honestly and that not
1: fearfully. And, and and so you met you met you met chad and um he was going through a, a difficult time did you did you know anything about his background or did you know his wife because i know she didn't she go to woods edge to our church out there
2: yeah she did she did and here's the this is the providence of god so um it's it's a monday and one of the pastors said to me hey steve will you take the pastor pager?" for Monday, I'm going to go out of town with my wife, and no one ever calls the pastor pager on Monday, which is true, no one ever does. And so I took the pager, and sure enough, it goes off around 11 o'clock, and it's Kathy Robichaux. I didn't know her from Adam, and I um, met with her, and she, the first thing she said was, I've got divorce papers written up, and I've got biblical grounds for divorce. Tell me why I shouldn't divorce my husband. And the Lord just spoke through my heart to say, "Cat, you've been praying for your husband for years. God's on the brink of of answering those prayers. Are you going to throw it all away? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she set up a meeting for me with Chad. And I really just intended that because he's a force recon Marine and he loves seals. I've got a buddy that I served with in the elder team. That's a seal. And I was just going to, you know, put those two guys together, but God had a different plan and God just knit my family together with his family. And Babette and I walked with Chad and Kathy for the next year and a half and God just threw an epiphany to told Chad that he's walking away from you know being an m m a world champion fighter and that he's gonna start this ministry called Mighty Oaks, and that was that and you uh, know just that was eleven years ago, twelve years ago, whatever it was, and ever since that time, we've just been running in God's
1: dust well, it, it I, it's so funny, uh Steve, because um the the way i listen i I had heard Chad's name before. But I, I didn't really, I didn't know about him. I just had heard, heard heard about his name. In fact, I heard about his name, I think, through uh, uh, an, a ministry called I'm Second. Uh, it's actually... I am Second, yeah. 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 They yeah. What they do is they put testimonies online of a lot of different people from all walks of life. And uh, he talked about PSD PTSD. But... It was funny. My son sent me. Uh, my son is was a special forces guy in the Air Force, and he does a podcast, and it's a ministry podcast. It's called Mill Spec Believer, and Ryan started that to try to reach people, you know, with with the gospel in the special operations community to try to really just be a light in that community because that's that's a tough field. I mean, you got guys yeah, in there that are high level operators. And, you know, one, they don't have time for superficial stuff. So Ryan wanted to bring guys on. He had the guy who was in Black Hawk down on there and one and and all kinds of guys he has on there to try to minister. And so he heard Chad talking to a group of operators and not a spiritual thing at all. And he was talking about his faith. And Ryan was blown away at how bold he was in this arena. Because, you know, a lot of guys would shy away from that. And so Ryan interviewed him, and as he's interviewing him, he says, yeah, this guy Steve Toth. And I go, Steve Toth? I know that name. Is that the same guy? And so I called Jeff, and Jeff said, yeah, that's him. Jeff Wells, the pastor out there at the church where we were at. And I was so encouraged, Steve, that God is still using you Um, because sometimes when you get into politics or you, you start serving in that capacity, it gets real easy to let your faith compromise. Yeah, you do. It gets real easy to compromise. And so I'm, I'm so encouraged that you continue to be a voice for Jesus as well as a voice for freedom in our country. And I know it's hard doing that. So double kudos to you. And I, I just am thankful that God brought our paths together, and and I want our listeners to pray for you out there. Uh, you know, we got people listening all over the country, and I just his name again is Representative Steve Toth, T O T H, and I'm sure he would appreciate your prayers for what he has to deal with and what he's trying to do to represent Christ in that world. And you know, I haven't asked you, Steve, about Uvalde. Um, it's so tragic. It's, it's, but you know, it's kind of where our country has evolved to because we've taken God out of everything. And I, I, I just, I don't think there's an easy answer for what we're dealing with here. What, what do you see as a there's representative? Not, there's the-
2: not. Well, I'm going to speak first as a pastor, which is, and just say zeitgeist that there's a demonic spirit of the age that is out there. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Specifically, our children, and there is a there there is the rate of, of suicide among our children is um, is rising at an exponential rate. Um, the, the number of kids that are struggling with, with um, gender dysphoria is just at an unbelievably high rate, and it's all targeting towards our children, right? And as parents and pastors. You know, I, I had, Doug, I'm not kidding, I had three couples, that, two that I've known for over 20 years, that, if, that came to me last week and said, my daughter who was raised in the church, who's baptized in the church, is not questioning her gender. Oh. There's a really good book out called Irreversible Damage that I'd encourage all parents to read. If you've got school-age children, grandparents, if you've got little kids, get this book, Irreversible Damage. It's a staff writer from the Wall Street Journal. She's not a Christian, but she really adroitly describes what's going on in her world right now with this sexualization of our children in the public schools and on social media. And the church has got to stand up. It's got to let its voice be heard, because if they're not hearing it in the church, then what do you want? What do you expect is to happen?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If,
2: if the church leaves a vacuum in, in this generation, the enemy's going to fill it.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Steve. I I, I saw a, a tweet the other day. Uh not that I spend a lot of time on there, but it was it's from a guy I have a lot of respect for and he retweeted this thing and uh it was uh, it was from a story back in 2015 and it was about uh, a young woman who identified as being blind over in England. And uh she wore dark glasses unnecessarily. And she found a psychologist who who would affirm her condition, and he actually poured drain cleaner into her eyes to make her 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 uh permanently blind yeah, yeah, it just make her really blind and now you know the the tweet Sick. was, if you would support throwing the book at this psychologist, but you wouldn't support the same for doctors who help people change sexes, why you know and and it's really true it, we we have lost our minds in this area and it all has to deal with sexuality it doesn't ap- apply in any other realm of life and w- what are yeah. you are you doing anything it, it, with the state is there anything that you guys are trying to do legislatively out I'm there I'm going to
2: try and – yeah i'm going to try and i'm going to try and pass a bill next session that bans it <clears throat> until the child is is 21 for the very simple reason that that um if you look at any studies from the United States or from Scandinavian nations, 80%—80 plus percent of these kids desist from from um, their, their gender dysphoria by the time they're 22 years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, right now in the United States, we're telling physicians that if a child comes to you and wants, you know, to be— um affirmed as a girl when he's a biological boy. We're gonna take your medical license away if you don't if you don't help that kid transition right away. Mm -hmm. I mean it's just it's it's so it's just so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I had a constituent today get mad at me for not supporting this to which I mean she said, you know, you you referred to gender dysphoria as a medical condition. Why why is it that you don't treat it like a medical condition? I said, Well, look at the D S M five, the 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 diagnostic statistical manual of mental illness. Mm-hmm. and um this was believed to be <clears throat> a mental illness um why because it has it has a period of time um that you you struggle with it and, and then it passes mm-hmm. <clears throat> um in a in a greater percentage than of those that it stays with mm-hmm. that's why and yet we're going to encourage a kid to to ch- take um take um <clears throat> Altering medications that will that will prohibit um, it, basically puberty blockers
0: mm-hmm.
2: that will will block will block testosterone in your system which keeps your bones from developing keeps your organs from developing it keeps everything about your body from developing mm. um, if, if a female takes it her puberty or i 'm sorry her period will stop within about six to nine months um, within six to nine months too she'll be sterilized so she 'll never be able to have a baby. Mm. Um, it's just, it's just, it is sick that we're doing this it is. and we're not doing anything to stop it. Well, but again, <clears throat> the pulpit's going to be silent. Then America's lost.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, Cause we
2: can't fix this through legislation.
1: Well, we, we can't. And, uh, Hey, Steve, our time with you has come to an end, but can I just say thank you for giving us some of the, your busy t- schedule today and, Brother, I I pray for you and everybody in our audience. I'm asking you to join me in praying for Representative Steve Toth. Steve, thank you for serving not only your constituents but for Christ. For serving Him out there, we continue to pray for you. Okay.
2: Thank you, buddy. It's so good to catch up with you. Yeah,
1: you, you. You too. God bless you. Hey, we're going to be right back with Chad Robichau. Thank you for listening to SWAT Radio. We'll be right back after the news on more SWAT Radio. To hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. It is Thursday, May 26th. I'm so excited uh, about today uh, having a, a, a fellow Marine on, fellow law enforcement officer, and a guy, most importantly, who is a brother in the Lord. And uh, I heard about Chad on my son's podcast and um, I'm just so excited I had Steve because I knew Steve before I ever heard about Chad. I, I've known Steve a long time, so it was great to have him on here. And, Chad, welcome to SWAT Radio. How you doing, brother?
3: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, over here at uh, Basic Reconnaissance Course, the Marine Recon School in uh, Camp Hill in California. just got done speaking to a bunch of Marines, and uh, I just jumped off the 30-foot tower. Hoorah! So Hoorah! Uh, <laughs> feeling, feeling energized.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, were, hey, were you a were you a West Coast or East Coast Marine? Uh, I
3: was West Coast Marine.
1: West Coast. So myself,
3: I, my, my father, my father, myself, and both of my sons.
1: Okay. So, so Chad, I was stationed at Yuma for a couple of years. I was a Harrier pilot out there, and uh, many times I was flying over uh, out near Camp Pendleton doing missions with you guys out there and thinking I could solve a lot of the world's problems if I just deviate a little bit over Hollywood out there. What do you think? <laughs> so, <laughs> You there? Hello? Okay, I think we lost Chad. Uh, he may have... Uh, let's see if we lost him. We might have lost him. Uh, I know he's driving. Uh Okay. <laughs> Hold on just a second. Steve's trying to get him back on.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, just hang up, Steve, and let him call back. Uh, anyway, Chad is uh, – he was gracious enough to call in. He was speaking to recon marines. Chad uh, um, uh is a guy who is a forced recon marine. He was a former law enforcement officer, and um, he made eight tours over to Afghanistan and uh he's speaking to us by phone out in uh California but uh he's kind of in and out so uh hopefully Steve's getting him back on the line and uh trying to get him so we can have him on here uh I appreciate him <laughs> calling in he he is one busy guy just um as you heard me share with Steve and Steve shared earlier uh Chad was a guy who uh was struggling with PTSD and he had had another um another friend who struggled with uh, p t s d and um just felt bad that he didn't call him um and um we um you know we see so many guys um, like that in our country right now uh, twenty three a day are taking their life and that's one of the reasons that um that Chad and his wife started this foundation called the Mighty Oaks and you heard me mention that Steve is on the board of Mighty Oaks. And uh it's it's a great organization that helps veterans. (laughs) Chad, sorry, we lost your brother. Uh I I I was making a joke about flying out there and so I'm glad you're back on. Are you with us now?
3: (laughs) I am good. I can hear you guys the whole time, but I apparently can
1: hear Okay um well that's all right i'm just i was just kind of telling everybody a little bit of your story uh chad i heard you on uh, my son's podcast and and reached out and i so appreciate you jumping on here with us um tell us real quick uh serving as a force recon marine serving as a law enforcement officer you see and do things that sometimes require some really tough things to process and um and you didn't process it very well up front, and then God brought some people into your life, Steve Toth being one of them. Uh, how how did Jesus change how you process everything, Chad? You know, uh, just you know, the last few hours of spoke over fancy and being able to say
3: doing a hard job you
1: talked
3: about. You know, in the military, they really talk about four pillars because they see mind, body, spirit, and social. Being mentally tough, physically tough, socially around—you know—surrounding yourself with the right people and having a strong spiritual foundation. So, uh it, it, most of us, were, we will always have those three pillars, right? Be mentally tough, physically tough, surround ourselves with good people. But the spiritual pillar seems to be the consistent lacking one, and that was the case for my life. You know. In those other areas, almost crossed the everything. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, three years after my eighth diploma to Afghanistan, where I found myself battling with suicide, uh, debilitating panic attacks, and depression in the middle of divorce, that I made the decision to, uh, to try to get help. And that led to me meeting with Steve, and Steve introduced me to the relationship of Christ uh, and then mentored me for a period of a year in biblical living. And uh, helped me recalibrate my life systematically in the life I believe God created me to live. And, and through that, I found restoration, hope, and, and a new purpose. And that purpose really manifested for me. It's a deep burden in my heart to share what i discovered with others. And for the last 11 years, it's been a journey of just speaking about those pillars of resiliency and, and helping uh, the next generation of warriors understand what it means to have a uh, relationship with Christ. and. How that can make you uh, not only resilient to the difficult jobs that we have to do, uh, but also be able to bounce back when we fall on our face and 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 find ourselves in hardship. And that's been my experience, and uh, I've been very blessed to to share that with thousands of others. Again, just just here today, can't come on with the brains.
1: Well, you know, you know, Chad um, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And one of the things that was frustrating to me coming out of the Marine Corps and even the FBI um, was in ministry, I found that there was not a lot of mission focus. Uh, in other words, I, I, there was a lot, of, there was a lot of, uh, of people just kind of, I mean, for, for guys like you and me, when, when we were given a mission, th- there was no gray areas. <laughs> you accomplished the mission. You drove toward the mission goal and, A lot of times in ministry, people feel like, well, you have to check all the things that God's brought into your life. Like for me, I love to shoot. I still train people how to shoot. I didn't have to check that and stop that just because I'm a minister now and I'm out there in the world doing that. I train people in how to do reactive shooting. I was talking to you about it this morning Uh, I love doing that. And the same with you. God's given you a very special set of skills and circumstances and experiences. I mean, you're a world MMA champion. You are a recon Marine. And like you said, eight tours in Afghanistan. And you're a believer now being led by Jesus. But talk a little bit to that guy out there who's listening who thinks that just because he follows Jesus means he has to stop being a man. He has to stop doing manly things.
3: I think it's one of the biggest lies of the enemy, and, and, uh, and I fell for this, uh, early on, which kept me away from faith, is that young men feel like they have to choose between masculinity and Christianity, that they have to choose between being a or being a person of faith. two can't coexist. uh, that not only can it, it can coexist, but the strongest warriors on the battlefield of, of combat or the battlefields of life are God. And, uh, and, you know, the world could use a lot more men that have, have godly, principles and godly character, godly discipline, who can also be warriors. And so, certainly, uh, the world needs both, but the two don't have to exist separately. They should be together. And, and uh, you, know, I, you know, I've been walking into a, my relationship with Christ. God's never—I uh, never have felt a conviction to change who I am. I still train jiu-jitsu every day. I go in the gym and I try to strangle people and show people out and try to break each other. <laughs> each other at the end you know my friends at the end and I uh, I fought professionally after uh, becoming a Christian never with malice in my heart but with uh, a strong sense of nature because that's how God wired me and who I am and uh, so and then I, you know, I still I still work out I, I shoot I do more and in fact, that's uh, by being those things, and, and it's really just uh, allowed me to connect with other men who have those, you know, same desires. And, uh, and I believe those desires that I have in me, and that many men have in them to be a warrior and do wild, crazy, dangerous things, uh, is because God put them there. Uh, God put them there so that we can uh, fight the, bat- the difficult battles of this world that we have to fight and protect people uh, who can't protect themselves. That's who uh, God. In a dangerous world and, and need strong men, courageous men to stand up. And uh, So I think that's, a, again, I think that's a, a lie that the enemy puts out there that we have to trade masculinity for Christianity and uh, nothing can be further from the truth.
1: Well, I, I know that my son, Ryan, um, had you on his podcast last week and Ryan is a TACP in the Air Force and uh, he. You know, he he heard you speak to a group of operators, and heard you talking about your relationship with Jesus on a on a podcast or in a, a setting where it was only operators. It was not a spiritual thing, and you brought that into it, talking about that spiritual base that we were talking about earlier. And that's another thing that happens too, guys who who they're they're kind of like what I call secret agent Christians. They're out there but they're afraid to talk about their relationship with Christ. And, I mean, I'll admit it. You know, if if you were my friend, if I, I mean, and you're my brother in arms as a Marine and as just a believer, but, I mean, like if you were my close friend, I'd be talking about this guy's my friend, naturally. And we don't do that with right. Jesus. What gave you the boldness to start doing that among the special operations community? Chad, you there? You
3: can still hear me, right?
1: Yeah, I can hear you. Yes, now. I'm here. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I love the guys from and uh, I know that they're going to be doing hard things. I mean, that's I'm calling you right now. I'm right. looking at a group of. I'm looking at a group of uh, uh, brand new candidates to basic recon course. These guys are going to be the twenty percent of them that make it through the training. Are going to do some very, very difficult things uh, in the jobs that they're chosen to do. And uh, I feel like because of the the lessons that I've learned in my life, it's my responsibility to help prepare them, the next generation, to do those hard things. And how could I keep from them and not be honest with them about uh, Mm -hmm. my experiences of trying to do that job without Christ in my life Mm -hmm. and, and how it? negatively impacted me and created a hole inside of me that filled with hate and, hate, and hate and anger, and bitterness, and the darkness that took over me. Mm. And the contrast of that to when I did have Christ in my life,
0: mm. uh,
3: how could I not share that with I, I care about that. I want best for them, and I want them to not only be combat ready and, and amazing uh, war fighters to protect our nation and defend people around the world that can't defend themselves, but I want them to be able to come out on the other side of it better than I did the first time. And uh, so I have to tell them the truth about about Jesus, and, uh, and it's because I care about them. And the same same in my personal life. When I, you know, in my jiu-jitsu life, the guys I train in the mats with, and and do jujitsu, uh, be you know, recon Marines or or maybe you know, not in the military or anything, but they're going to have battles in their in their homes as, as husbands and fathers and wives and parents and hmm. Well.
1: Well, I know when you shared your testimony, you talked about having a wife who fought for you when you were weak and, um, and, and now you're fighting for her and you're fighting for other people with her, uh, with the mighty Oaks foundation tell our listeners, because we have a lot of guys who are former military that listen up in Virginia and Mississippi and, and throughout Florida and Georgia, um, tell them about Mighty Oaks. What, what, is, what Mighty Oaks is about and what, what, what you, your, your vision is for the Mighty Oaks foundation program you got.
3: Well, 11 years ago when, uh, when, when I got out of, stepped out of the dark valley I was in and into a relationship with Christ, I, uh, or 12 years ago, I, uh, I realized only one and other people were dealing with the same things I dealt with. And, God just put a burden on my heart to share what I discovered with others. And, uh, we started the Bay Foundation 11 years ago. And, uh, and since then, uh, we do several things. With, uh, one is our resiliency program where I go do events like I did to go speak to active duty troops. And since then I've spoken to 250,000 active duty troops based around the world about suicide, uh, about depression, it's about, uh, about resiliency and spirit. And uh, I've given away a hundred and fifty thousand a program called a legacy program, which is six days long. Active duty military come, veterans, spouses, first responders. It's free. Uh, when I say free, we pay we pay for everything, including their travel. Uh and we've had forty three hundred graduates in the last eleven years, but we're doing about a thousand per year now. Mm. And uh and we do about six million dollars a year. Running. Uh, that's all paid for by a great foundation of people that support the Oak Foundation as a, as a nonprofit, hmm. and uh, and you know it's just been incredible. Out of four hundred graduates, we have so many uh, that have went on and discipled them to be able to pay it forward as well. And uh, in addition to that, we, because of successes, we have a faith based solutions making the veteran community uh, and, and depression and anxiety that uh, that people face, like PTSD, we've uh, I've been able to go. To Washington D.C. and testified before Congress, Senate hearings. I was appointed as, a, and to President Trump as the chairman of the faith-based uh, coalition for the White House, and uh, helped with the executive order to bring faith programs back into VA and DoD, as well as putting it uh, into the Prevents bill. And uh, so we've been just incredibly successful.
1: Well, uh, the Mighty Oaks program. uh, You can go to mighty oaks o a k s plural programs plural dot org, mighty oaks programs dot org, and you can apply. Uh, If you know somebody that struggles with PTSD, uh, active duty, or even out of uh, active duty, send them to that site. Send them to that. They they've got all kinds of resources there. And um, it, it's a great program. They've done a lot of great work. And, Chad, we really appreciate uh, what you do there. Now, I want to tell people that you are still doing some pretty amazing things in with some special operations friends of yours. And I don't want to say where you're going, but we, we want to pray for you. Um, I, I do want to speak a little bit about something that you were a part of because I think it's so amazing. Uh, your, your translator back in Afghanistan was one of the many victims that got left behind there when the what the pullout happened. And you, you couldn't really didn't want to leave him there because this guy was like your family, right? Over there. He took care of you, correct? Isn't that the way that relationship worked with a lot of guys yeah, I, over there?
3: He also
0: he's
3: not just And and so I was in the struggle and never got out. I chose to go back and get him his wife and his six kids but I just couldn't bear leaving him there. And I uh, put together about a team of about twelve special operations veterans. Uh, not only did we get him, we uh, stayed about seventeen thousand others. American
1: hmm. Wow, I, you, you you kind of broke up a little bit there, but I just want to reiterate what he said because I could make it out because I know the story. He went over there, and he with some 12 operators. They rescued his translator, his family, and 17,000 other Afghanis and Americans that were left behind in Afghanistan. And, I mean, that right there is an amazing story just because they were helpless. They had nobody to help them. And I just want to thank you for taking the initiative to do that uh, because I think that's what Jesus would have us do, use our skills to help the helpless. And I know that had to be difficult. Uh, I know that you had some help with some other people that provided some air support and stuff. But, I, I mean, Chad, that has to be a rewarding feeling to have him here safely now, right, or out of the country safely now, not necessarily here. No,
3: he, he's, uh, I mean, he's with me right now. Uh, he you know, just took him on the Marine Corps base and he's got a standing ovation from a couple of Marines for his, uh, him being here. It's just, it's surreal for him being here. Uh, I'm so, my heart's just overjoyed that my friend is, is safe and his family's safe, his wife and six kids. And, uh, you know, he's a representation of the 17,000 that we got out. And, uh, and it's amazing that he, he he made a statement to me that I thought was amazing because we tried to get him out through the immigration process for six years. and when he got here he said, you know, God didn't answer our prayers to get me out for the six years because he needed me to be there so you would come get me and uh and bel to rescue these other seventeen thousand. God's timing is more important than ours. And uh and he 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 recognized that. That's it was, uh, it was just overwhelming uh, uh to see you know how selfless he is and how he can recognize that and how he endured that six years.
1: Well, didn't 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 he didn't he just recently go to Woods Edge Church, our church out in Texas? Didn't he just go there too? He did. Yeah, yeah
3: he, he did. He, he's been a uh, he's been in uh, fact, three weeks in a row now. He's come to come to church church with me.
1: <laughs> That's you guys. that that in itself is cool. And I heard also you rescued about two thousand orphans. Is that right? That were over there were were they part yeah, of the 17,000 there was
3: a lot there was a yeah there was a lot of uh, orphans in our group as yeah, part of the 17,000 there was a lot of orphans a lot of christians that uh, would be persecuted a lot of women uh, that were vulnerable um and then uh, again, of course the interpreters in their families There's uh, so a lot of very vulnerable people in the groups that that we got
1: wow that's amazing well uh you know i i just am so thankful that one my son said dad you need to listen to this guy He's a marine <laughs> And I listened to the podcast and heard your story. Connected Steve with it, and then found out that you were also meeting with Jeff Wells, my good friend out there. Jeff's been on here several times, and uh, Jeff's a great guy, isn't he?
3: He is. I just finished his year long discipleship group he does for uh, for leaders, and uh, it was an incredible experience. And I've been very close to Jeff. Jeff commissioned by the ministry back eleven years ago, and uh, Mm -hmm. he's been a you know advisor and dear friend. For
1: me as well Well, well you you've, you've got another one here in uh, Florida too uh, I'm so thankful for how God One rescued you 12 years ago um, from where you were and you know just before you go, what would you say Chad, to the guy out there who's, who's a warrior who doesn't know Jesus, who might be struggling and is afraid? Because he thinks maybe he's not good enough. He thinks maybe he's, you know, he just has all these ideas, but he's listening and his his heart's hurt because he deals with PTSD. He deals with struggles and he doesn't know what to do with it because he's a warrior and he's afraid he's got to stop being a warrior to love Jesus.
3: Yeah, you know, I'd say, you know, to reject that lie, to understand that, uh, you know, if, if if you're feeling that, void that that, that you are missing is that relationship. of Christ all uh, if you truly want to be a warrior be everything that God created you to be and uh, be at the maximum the most capable warrior which is what all warriors want, but like, you have to have that that spiritual pillar you have to have that spiritual foundation or or you know it's going to be short lived uh and i I can tell you from my personal experience of seeing the most amazing the most amazing guys that like uh, maybe cross recipients and people have done incredible things in the battlefield come home and fall. And it was a spiritual pillar at that, that spiritual foundation of Christ. And then uh, you know we're never can and uh, so, you know, if you have that now, if you make a decision to have that now and reject thought that it's not masculine, that it's not part of the warrior lifestyle, then I think you'll you'll get exactly what you're looking for out of it.
1: Well, hey, listen, I I want to thank you for for being on today. I know it was hard because you're kind of out there and you 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 kind of fit this in. And for our listeners, I know there's been some in and out, but overall the message is you got a warrior who is, uh, I mean, he's a warrior's warrior and he's saying that you don't have to check. You, you don't have to check that at the door to be a Jesus follower. And I I'm sure that, you know, you're going to continue to hear about Chad Robichaux and what he's doing for the Lord and what he's doing to help people because that's who he is. Chad, thank you. Um, uh, you know, thank you for what you do. I, can I just pray for you before we go off the air? I mean, I want to pray for you and what you're Absolutely. doing. And, Absolutely. and father, I just lift up Chad and his wife. First of all, I thank you for the ministry that you've given them. And, uh, Lord, as he continues to go into harm's way and, and take his, his friends over there to rescue people in different places and to serve you by speaking to these young Marines and these people all over this country who are on the tip of the spear, I pray that you would guard his heart, first of all, from pride, knowing that it's you. You've given them this platform to represent you to the world and continue to bless him to do that and continue to give him favor when he rescues people. And, Lord, I pray for his translator and his translator's family. I pray for all the people that are part of Mighty Oaks that you would continue to use them to minister, Lord, to the people that are struggling with PTSD. And if there's anybody listening to this program today, Lord, that doesn't know you, may today be the day they say, I want to be a warrior for Jesus. And they give their lives to him today. And I just pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. amen Chad I love you brother simplify love you and
3: thanks for having me on apologize for the for the
1: reception that no that's all right no apology needed go get him devil dog and we'll be praying for you okay fi.
3: Bye-bye. all right
1: all right take care you know I I, I thank you folks for listening again um, I know that there was some um, there was some breakup because of the cell phone but you know what what he said was impactful. And I want to tell you, you can hear more of his story by going to Chad Roboshow.com. That's C H A D R O B I C H A U X.com. You can also go to Mighty Oaks, the Mighty Oaks Foundation.org. And uh, if you want to, you can go to I Am Second.com and listen to Chad Robichaux's testimony. Uh, It's an amazing story. Continue to lift him up. We're going to be back tomorrow. I have another guest. I have Brian Doyle from Iron Sharpens Iron tomorrow. He'll be in the studio, so we won't have to worry about cell phone breaking up. Hey, thanks for listening to us today. I appreciate uh, Representative Toth and Chad being on. We'll be back tomorrow with more SWAT Radio, and you can listen to this and any past program by going to SWATRadio.com. Click on the past programs link. We'll see you tomorrow.